0: Welcome to Haunted Hospitality, Southern Stories Told by Spooky Gingers. I'm Robin. And I'm Zoe. And I have a story
1: for you today. But first, Zoe, how's life? Well, Robin, I think you and I are on the same page here. We have spent a long time together. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I I believe we are both physically, mentally, emotionally exhausted. I'm tired.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I, I came in and, you know, usually we have, like, chipper conversation when I come into your apartment. And it... We, like, made no
1: sense to each other. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, like, instead of being like, hey, let me help you get some pizza and all of that, I was like, that's a plate. There's the pizza. That's a microwave. Here's the sugar. This is the spoon. <laughs> well, you, yeah, and the tea. Yeah. But, um, oh, yeah, speaking of tea. Yeah, speaking of tea. We're, um, so this is a tea that we're drinking tea on our Pride Month. And I call it the LGBT, <laughs> but um, it's actually called Roy G. Biv. So, Zoe, I'm not
0: a big tea drinker, but I am enjoying this.
1: It's purple, and that's honestly my favorite thing about it.
0: It is purple. I also think that the, like, spoonful and a half of sugar I put in probably
1: is really doing wonders to me. Probably, yeah. yeah
0: I'm a sweet tooth person.
1: But I got it from, um, what's it called? Mm-hmm. The Spice and Tea Exchange in Greensboro. So Greenville. You're right, Greenville. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> anyway, so Zoe, why are we tired? tired? What did we do? Yes. So we went to Asheville slash the Biltmore Estate. Thank you for reminding me. I forgot. Me too, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm
0: kidding. Uh, yeah, and it, it was fun. We did a haunted tour
1: of Asheville. Yes. Of Asheville, yeah. Not the Biltmore. Biltmore does not offer haunted tours. No, they
0: do not. Uh, and the Honda Torch Asheville was very illuminating. It was very fun to be on. Mm-hmm. We walked up many a hill.
1: Yes, lots mm-hmm. of hills. Yeah, that was a lot of hills. <laughs> I mean, like, Columbia has hills, but they're, like, longer and less steep. Mm-hmm. These were very short, very steep hills. And we were walking with my father, who was kind enough to host us over the weekend. Yes, thank you. And um, he was walking with his cane. Yeah. <laughs> and yet the tour guide... Saw my father with the cane, and my father. I think he even told him he was a military vet already. And the guy's like, "Okay, and now we're speed walking up this giant hill." Okay, yeah, that's really what happened.
0: I've, you know, I've been on a lot of walking tours, and to be fair, a lot of them, I guess, are by seaside places Mm -hmm. where everything is flat in general. But I've never been on a walking tour that was just like that, going, going, going. Yeah, um, but. I want to ask you about a specific experience I know you had uh-huh. on the tour. We went to a haunted house. We weren't able to go in, but we were on the porch. Yes. And I felt nothing. I feel nothing in general, mm-hmm. uh, really. I'm not uh, a conduit or an empath or anything. I'm the least spooky person there is. <laughs> but Zoe, you're more spooky than I am. What did you
1: feel? So uh, I have to preface this with I told you this a little bit, but I didn't tell you, like, the backstory because we were in the middle of a tour. So – any time i feel like i'm around spirits or ghosts or anything that i can't quite explain i always want to cry like i just want to cry like my eyes tear like i can feel you know how like when you're about to cry you can feel your eyes like swell up or something you know
0: yes i'm well accustomed
1: to crying thank you thank (laughs) you (laughs) but like i got that feeling of like I'm about to cry on this porch, right? And I don't know if it's, like... Because, you know, crying is because you have a big feeling in you. And so I don't know if it's because I'm like, Oh my God, I'm scared. I don't actually feel scared. You didn't look scared. I wasn't scared. I was scared. <laughs> but um, I also... I stepped onto the porch and immediately had pressure on my head. And then when I stepped off the porch, my ears popped. So, that was fun. I mean, we were in the mountains, but, like... I don't think three steps up was much of a change of altitude. No, probably not.
0: <laughs> um, so I, I had a lot of fun on that tour, and we're going to talk about the Biltmore in a mini so that we're doing for our Patreon. Mm-hmm. So if you are a Patreon subscriber, we're not actually starting that yet, but when you do, it'll be there, and it will be titled, because I have decided, and so please go along. <laughs> Biltmore a bit more.
1: Yes, I do like that. I okay, do like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, we're going to talk about the bit more, a little bit more. (laughs) I'm sorry, I just did it too. Yeah. But um, we're not going to go into, like, the specifics because there was... So, basically, we did the audio recording tour. So, they gave you, like, a telephone device and you typed in the number of whatever room and there were signs everywhere. Mm Mm-hmm. And you held it up to your ear and it just told you the story, right? One of them was in the laundry rooms.
0: <laughs> I didn't even listen to that one, and I'm so glad I didn't.
1: Like I was we were in the laundry rooms. I was taking photos, listening to this thing. My dad and Robin had stopped listening to the recordings by that point because they were tired. Mm. And, but I was just listening to a recording and it was probably a good two or three minutes. I was like, okay, let's just get out of here. And so I kept listening to the recording while we were going up the stairs into the next room. I'm like, it's still going. I had to stop it. And it's like, why? That also explained why there was such a buildup of people in the laundry room.
0: I didn't get that point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, But anyway, that's a sneak peek into... It's a sneak peek into what we're talking about with that Mm -hmm. mini-sode. But Zoe, do you have a something spooky for us today? And just so everybody knows, we're kind of switching up the format of our something southern, something spooky. So instead of both of us sharing something, it's generally going to be one of us Mm -hmm. sharing something. And that way we get to go a bit
1: more in depth into one thing. It will probably end up taking less time, and so we can get into the main content of the episode a little bit faster. Just a wee bit. Just a wee bit. So, Zoe, you have something that terrifies me. Yes, mm-hmm. I have something that is beautiful and great. So, I've heard a lot of cannibal stories, right? I do not have human flesh in my hand, just like forewarning <laughs> people. <laughs> I have heard a lot of cannibal stories, and a lot of the cannibals say that human flesh is sweet. Okay? Especially the, like, higher up on the body you go, the sweeter the flesh is. Don't know why. There's this, like, uh, Japanese man that was, like, one of the biggest cases of this where he ended up, like, killing his best friend and eating her. And like, yeah, it was a whole thing. I heard it on one of the podcasts I listened to. But he was like, Yeah, meat is sweet. Like human meat is sweet, right? So I had that in my head. And then and I that's just knowledge I carry with me now. And it just cycles on a loop in the back of her mind. Meat is sweet. Human meat is sweet. On that note, I gotta go. Okay. Stay. The door's locked. Anyway, <laughs> So, then I was on TikTok one day. I probably should have written down the person's name. So, okay, I found it. It is a TikTok user at V A L P A L A T. So, I guess Val Palette. She posted this April 6th in this year, 2021. In the year of our Lord, 2021. <laughs> <laughs> and so, she works in a cadaver lab, okay? So... A lot of freshly, freshly dead cadavers are in her lap. And she has this, she says that fresh cadavers that, you know, they've been sitting for a minute or two, but they're not like gross yet. They have this like sickly sweet smell to them. And so she's like, she's never been able to really place it, right? But Then her parent or stepmom or something like that got her this Bath and Body Works lotion called Sugared Cherry Crisp. And she loaded it up on her hands after a shower, rubbed it in, and then the smell hit her. And she said, that is the smell of a cadaver. She said the smell of this lotion is exactly the same as the smell of a fresh cadaver. And she is holding the exact bottle that I have in my hand in the TikTok. So, of course, I immediately when I saw this TikTok, I ran to Amazon and got it myself. So, Robin, would you like to smell what a fresh cadaver smells like? I mean, you know I don't. Too bad. So, this is the Bath and Body Works Sugared Cherry Crisp body lotion. Okay. I have just a disclaimer. I have already smelled this. And I don't think it smells too bad, but I can totally see what she means. Robin is smelling it. This
0: is the smell of a human body that's, like, just barely started rotting?
1: Yes. Oh, my... Because it does smell sweet, and it smells chemically, doesn't it not? I mean, everything's chemicals. Yes, including rotting bodies. Like, okay, I would not buy this lotion. I am
0: shocked that this is what people smell like. This is incredibly sweet. This is, like, cloying sweet. Yes. And it's just, like, ooh oh no 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 i don't don't touch me i'm sorry she's she's pushing it out to our hands
1: well i was gonna rub it on my own hands okay well yeah rub it on your own hands. i wasn't gonna touch you with it i don't know but yeah so that is i recommend everybody go out and buy some bath and body works sugared cherry crisp hand lotion if you want your hands
0: to smell like dead people
1: yes so yes that's my something spooky okay cool thank you tiktok user at val palette
0: i love tiktok names
1: (laughs) ours is haunted hospitality um yeah yeah wink wink (laughs) wink wink. (laughs) Wink. but yes that is my something spooky today so robin would you like to get into your story i would thank you Mm -hmm. zoe yes have you heard of the axeman of new orleans i know your answer Yes, I have. And I just have to say, our stories always start with you going, Zoe, have you heard? (laughs) I mean, that's just how I talk in real life. Okay. Yeah, even when I'm not
0: talking to you, I'm just, I'm talking to something else about something. I'm like, Zoe, have you heard? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so can you tell me what you know about the Axeman of New Orleans?
1: Are you sure you want me to say that? Because it might be spoilers. I want you to say, I want you to glance over what you know,
0: like in a summary, you don't have to give me details of everything you know.
1: Okay, so basically what I know, so I asked Robin if she wanted me to go into detail, <laughs> and she said yes, and then I was going into, or I was telling her what I knew, and she's like, you know too much, shut up, so. Yeah,
0: you're ruining the flow and my little twists and turns of this story. Exactly. To be fair, you did get a couple things wrong. Yes, yeah. but. But this isn't your thing to research, so that's fine. Yeah. All right, so Zoe, you know already about the Axeman of New Orleans to a large extent, but maybe our listeners don't. Or maybe they think they know it, but they don't actually know the whole story. Trigger warning, content warning. There's just lots of blood and violence and gore in this episode, and there's not a lot of getting around it. Okay. Yeah. In 1918, the Axeman, created a terror for everyone in New Orleans, but especially Italian-Americans and especially, especially Italian-American grocers. So, just a brief recap of the Italian community in New Orleans. There was a large community that lived mostly in the French Quarter, mm-hmm. and they were often from Sicily, which I it is in Italy, but I think it's like a island off the coast of Italy, but it's still part of it, you know? So a lot of the grocery stores in New Orleans were operated by Italian Americans. And unfortunately, they were a group that was not the grocery specifically, (laughs) but (laughs) Italians were uh, really discriminated against in New Orleans. And just to give you an example of what this discrimination looked like in practice, and also a glimpse into the legal system around that time, I'm going to tell you about the uh, case of David Hennessy for a second. Okay. So, in 1890, and, or 1891, which is a good uh, almost 30 years before this starts, uh, police chief David Hennessy is murdered, but before he dies, he tells people that it was an Italian. That is, it seems, all they have to go on. Mm-hmm. And so, the police end up arresting Uh, a lot of italians i think about 11 and note he said one i was not under the impression at least in the current judicial system that you could arrest more than one person for a crime that you know only one person committed yeah that's weird it is weird and so some of them went to trial and they were acquitted but locals grew angry when they heard about the acquittals and they ended up lynching eleven of the arrested Italians.
1: Oh my gosh!
0: Yeah, so that's the kind of escalation that right. happens. Uh, mobs tend to ruin things in our episodes. I've noticed. If you think about, like, Lavinia Fisher, it was the mob that went after them. And just because when people decide to take the law into their own hands, mm-hmm. a lot of
1: people end up dying. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Because they think that they know the truth, but they don't actually try to find the truth, you know? Yeah, and then
0: you're just... You're, it's literally mob mentality. <laughs> <laughs> you're just echoing anger off of each other. But this story is not really about that. Okay. Uh, so the first absolute known uh, murders by the Axeman are in May 1918.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A couple named Joseph and Catherine Maggio live in 1901 Magnolia Street. They have uh, like a house that is attached to the grocery store, which is how most of these operated. Mm -hmm. Most of their customers called them Mr. and Mrs. Joe. And so also in the house living with them was uh, Joseph's brother, Andrew, who he had taken in when their father passed away. And so he was kind of like a father figure to him. Now, Andrew the night before this was may 22nd mm-hmm. the night of may 22nd and andrew had learned that he was going to be going into the military and he was excited about this okay and so he went out drinking and it seems was probably drunk when he came back and he went to sleep and at four forty five a.m he woke up and just heard like awful sounds of people being in pain from the room next to him, which Ooh. was Joe Joseph's and Catherine's room. He said he knocked on the walls, but no one answered. And it seems like he knew what had ha- not. You can't know what had happened, because this was really the first of its kind. Mm-hmm. But it seems like... He knew something was wrong. He knew something was wrong. And I think he was scared and also probably not sober. Right. So <laughs> he went down the street to find his brother jacob and then his brother salvador and then they all three came back and so this was 30 minutes later about 5 15 a.m when they finally went into the room okay and they found joseph on the bed he was dying but not dead yet okay and then Catherine on the floor and she was dead
1: mm-hmm.
0: i mean it's the axe man so you can kind of imagine what it looked like so there was blood everywhere. It was on the floors and the bed, and it was very high up the walls as mm-hmm. well. And looking at the victims, you could they could see that um, at this point the police were arriving. They had been hurt by both an axe and a straight razor. Mm-hmm. And I've heard two different accounts, one that it was done by the axe and then the razor to make sure they were dead, which obviously didn't work in the case of Joseph. Mm-hmm. He did end up dying, like I said, but he wasn't dead when the axe man left. Um, or it said that it was done by a razor, but the axe was used to hide the fact that it was done by a razor. Which I don't know why you would do that. No. So the straight razor, I believe it was found in the bathroom. Okay. In their house. So he was, left the weapon behind.
1: Was it their straight razor or was it his that he left behind? See, that comes up in a second, but i okay. got to tell you one other thing beforehand. Okay. <laughs> I. They found the axe in
0: the yard, and it had been Joseph's axe to begin with, and they also found in the neighbor's yard a set of bloody clothes. Okay. That would have had to have belonged to the axe man, so it seems like he did the crime. He's bloody. He changes out of his bloody clothes, so he would have had to brought something with him or taken something from Joseph's, now that I think about it. Right. And changed into it, and then deposited them in the neighbor's yard. Yeah. Police were kind of looking for anything to tell them what was going on, and their first idea was that it was a robbery, because, I mean, what else would it be, you know? Mm-hmm. The, the thing that led them to the idea that it was a robbery was that the safe was open and there was nothing in it. Okay. But Catherine had a lot of jewelry, and it was left. I heard that Catherine had some cash, and nothing else was really taken. Okay. Um, and nobody, I mean, I guess maybe Joseph and Catherine probably knew their financial situation better than anybody else. But the family was never like, hey, there should be more money here. Or at least they never brought it up. Mm-hmm. So another thing that police were suspicious about was Andrew. Okay. The, the younger brother who heard them originally. Yeah. They were like, well, how did he not wake up when the actual x was there? Hitting. And I kind of get that. Because he was drunk. <laughs> and then and then you consider, yeah, that he was drunk and that was probably it. And maybe I get the sense that these things happened really quickly. Yeah. Uh, and as we get deeper into this, I think we'll see that a bit more.
1: Okay.
0: But yeah. Um, and then, of course, the other idea is, well, why didn't he just go into the room immediately? Mm-hmm. And I get that, but I also can feel the fear that he must have been yeah.
1: going through right then. And he must feel so guilty, especially since his brother was still alive when they came back eventually, 30 minutes later. Yeah. So knowing that he could have gotten his brother help earlier and that mm-hmm. maybe his brother could have survived, like, that that must be weighing on him for, like, the rest of his life.
0: It would, definitely. So they do end up arresting Andrew and one of Andrew's other brothers. And one of the things that is also leading them to that is because Andrew worked in a barber shop and the straight razor looked like one that he had recently taken from the barber shop. Gotcha. But it was proven that that was not the case. Okay. And also one of the things that made them uh, think it was Andrew, there was a shirt that looked like it had blood on it, but really it was a wine stain from like a while ago, got gotcha. on his shirt. So he was released, but it was an emotionally dramatizing experience. He did break down crying to the investigators as they were questioning him. And you know, the murders happened early morning, May 23rd. He was released May 25th. He couldn't go to the funeral. And this guy was like a father to him. They had I don't a know. funeral. That I was quickly? wondering about that. So I kind of read it as he couldn't go to the funeral. Maybe he was still under suspicion. All I know is he wasn't allowed at the funeral, and whether that was because he was arrested and physically couldn't go or because there was lingering suspicion over him, but they couldn't hold him over it,
1: okay. I'm not sure. Okay.
0: But I do know he couldn't go to the funeral. That's sad. Yeah, I assumed it was because he was arrested. So, he's not guilty. There, The next little tangle in this web is a letter that was found on the sidewalk down the street. hmm it was written in chalk and it was the words, Mrs. Maggio is going to sit up tonight just like Mrs. Tony. And Mrs. Maggio is like Catherine who died. Okay. And people were like, okay, so that was the Axeman. Nobody was calling him the man yet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that was the person who murdered the people.
1: But do we know who
0: the other Mrs. is? Mrs. Tony. So we have an idea, but we don't know for sure. So okay. this is This is what connects it to a couple or a few murders in 1910 through 1912. Because there were a couple axe murders, I do not think they were to Italian grocers, but there's a lot of back and forth and a lot of conflicting notes about this. I'm going to try to tell you what I think is the truth about the murders in 1910 through 1912. And the source I think I trust the most on this is the Encyclopedia of Serial Killers by Michael Newton. Okay. And he went through, uh, it seems, primary documents that says there were a couple axe murders in 1911, mm-hmm. but they weren't necessarily to Italian grocers. And it seems that Mrs. Tony is referencing Anthony Scambra's wife, Joanna. And they were murdered. They are Italian grocers who were murdered in 1912, but by gunpoint. Okay. And it seems like at least Michael Newton is saying he doesn't think it's the axe man. I have to say, I don't know, because I think it's totally possible that somebody can murder people in
1: one way and then come back later and be like, you know what? I think I'm just going to bring in the axe. Yeah. Especially, I mean, if criminal minds is to believe, be believe. Um... <laughs> especially at the beginning of their killing spree, because they're still trying to figure out like how they want to kill people.
0: Oh, yeah. So do you know about like the Golden State Killer?
1: I've yeah, I've heard of him.
0: I watched that documentary based on Michelle McNamara's book, I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Mm -hmm. A Very good documentary. I am going to definitely read the book one day. I haven't gotten around to it yet. But it takes you really through the beginning of the crimes and they're really varied to begin with and then you when you get set in your ways and you create your mo it doesn't just happen organically you have to i don't know workshop it (laughs) but that's when you really solidify like your identity which is is a really weird thing to think
1: about especially when you're talking about serial killers yeah yeah (laughs) but it is what they do yeah it is
0: Uh, It could be referencing Anthony Scambra, in which case, maybe this is the same person, or maybe this is somebody who knew of that and... Like it psychologically affected them. Yeah, exactly, because this isn't saying, I did this, though it does kind of imply that at the same time. Anyway, uh, newspapers and other entities of the time, I think including police, latched onto this idea that these uh, two sets of murders... We're connected mm-hmm. and that's an idea that's kind of even pervading until now and to the point that we're of course still debating it. I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent because I think it is interesting and I want to <laughs> I found this quote basically that made me think that like this story which isn't exactly related to what we're doing uh, is important enough to share. Okay. So one of the detectives who found that letter on the sidewalk is named Detective Theodore Obitz he and another detective were out and about solving crimes when this was may 26 so this was the day after they released andrew uh and it was early morning and a guy came up to them and the police were aggressive toward him and they ended up all shooting at each other and detective obitz ended up dying okay And so they were trying to find the guy who had shot O'Bates, but they couldn't exactly. And so they ended up in, like, the police hunt to find this guy. They ended up shooting two black men and killing two black men who didn't do it, Mm -hmm. who were innocent. And it was Louis Johnson and Abraham Price. Now, they did end up arresting a teenager named Frank Bailey who went to trial and who was convicted and who was sentenced to hang. And he did hang on August 13th, 1920. But a few days before he hanged, he gave this interview to a newspaper called The States. Mm -hmm. uh, And I found this uh, quote from that interview on NOLA.com, which is like the news source for New Orleans currently. And here's what he said, and I'm going to call this our lastish words segment, (laughs) which are interesting things or impactful things that people who were kind of studying about and around have said almost at the end of their life. Right, okay. So here's what Frank Bailey said. When I have been executed, nothing will have been taken out of this World Friday. Most persons who hang are expected to make a last request. I will make none, not the people of Louisiana but I will make it to God. He hears, the public do not. I'm going to walk to the gallows without a whimper. If there is such a thing as a spirit coming back to earth, I do not want to come back. Chills. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I read that and I was like, this is not that related to our case, but I got to talk about it.
1: <laughs> okay. You know? you know, we always hear like these phrasings of these like last words. And it's like, it's it almost sounds like, poetry was or 18 this kid yeah or or like like legal jargon or something and it's always like do you wordsmith your last words before you say it like i mean i guess you have some time leading up to it yeah i guess you just sit there and like practice saying it over and ha- say it in this overly formal language i would just be like um yeah i'm gonna die don't want to come back peace you know okay
0: I mean, I totally get you. I do think maybe they talked more formally back then.
1: In the early 1900s? I don't know. If you had said early 1800s, yes, I would give that to you. Mm -hmm. But the 1900s weren't that long ago. If there is such a thing as a spirit coming back to Earth, I do not want to come
0: back. I wonder if you can just command it like that. I mean, probably. I don't really know. know how anything works. Okay, now that we've solved the mystery of death... Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. you here first folks. Yeah, first folks. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, now, the next victims are Louis Bessemer and his girlfriend, and possibly mistress, whose name is either Anna or Harriet Lowe. Okay. They did not record women's names especially well. Uh. Yeah. Now, the only reason we have – one of the only reasons we have her first name, whichever one it may be, is because they're not married. So you can't be like, Louis Bessemer and Mrs. Louis Bessemer, which is literally how they refer to some people, Yeah. Uh, died. Anyway, June twenty eighth, 1918, they were attacked by an axe. And a baker delivering bread to Louis Bessemer's grocery, because, again, an Italian grocer, found them. He went to the back door, and he knocked... And he saw a panel had been cut out. And I forgot to mention that. That's how he got into the Maggio's house. Okay. Yes. So he would cut out a panel in these houses and, like, climb in through the panel. hmm But the panel's, like,
1: really small, right? Yeah, which is weird mm-hmm. b- based on later descriptions. It's all very weird. And it, because the panel is so small, that's what kind of, like, leads to the mystification of this man. Like, a lot of people think it's a spirit or a ghost or something like that. I
0: vaguely heard that there were some supernatural theories about this. I didn't find any concretely. Okay. I, I do not think this was a supernatural thing. <laughs> I think this was a real murderer. Um. Anyway, so the baker goes in and uh, he sees... Well, okay, one account said that he knocked on the door and Louis Bessemer answered it and Louis had, like... Been hit in the head with the axe. The axe was no longer in his head, but blood was gushing down. You know, it was, like, probably open and everything. Yeah. Another report I saw said that Louis and Anna were, or Harriet, I think I'm going to call her Harriet, were, like, on the ground bleeding. Okay. And my guess is that might have been what happened. Yeah. Just because usually it's the less, I don't know, odd thing. It's yeah. probably usually the most normal idea. So the axe was in the bathroom. This time? Yes. I can't... I don't see information on whether or not it was Louis' axe, but if he's leaving it behind... Axes are expensive. Maybe you're not buying a new axe every time, you know, (laughs) if you leave it behind at everything. Police initially arrested Louis Ubican, which I know I butchered that last name. Uh, And he was a black man who worked for Bessemer. So just, like, another... I'm bringing all this up to be, like, there was just a lot of discrimination, a lot of bad things happening with like the police and crime and everything. This was just not a great place. No. No. Um and they arrested him without evidence just because there were contradictions in his alibi, which maybe like if I was asked my alibi in a very serious voice, I would totally be like I was there. No, wait, I was there. Wait, I I forgot. Yeah. Uh and here's where it gets a little bit weird. Okay. Harriet was hit in the head. I mean, obviously, this is the thing. He attacks the heads, mm-hmm. which is usually like a really thing. Like that's how you know it's very anger based too. Because like, whenever there's just a whole bunch of chops to a person's head, like that's bad. Right. I mean, okay. <laughs> <That's the most laughs> I mean, ba- Yes. That's the most basic thing I've ever said. Oh my god. But you know,
1: like with the wolf arc, ex- it means there is anger. And... I'm
0: angry at you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, not just, I randomly want you dead. hmm So, because she had been hit in the head, it, it messed with her mind, and she started saying um, odd things. Ah. Uh. And these had unfortunate consequences. So, she said at first that Louis was a German spy, Louis Bessemer, her boyfriend, and then she took it back, and then... Like, really close to the time before she died, she said that he was the one who attacked her, which right. is not true, because, because he,
1: he was hit as well. And you can't self-inflict that kind of thing. I mean, you probably can, but you would have to be very
0: careful with it. And who can be careful with an axe? Well... Just because he hit, was hit in the head with an axe. Yeah. Um, so she died on August 5th. Anna mm. did. Harriet. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> and... He spent nine months in jail waiting for the... Because they arrested him. They arrested him because she said he did
1: it. The guy who was also hit with an axe. The guy
0: who was also hit with the axe was arrested, spent nine months in jail. He had a trial.
1: Mm-hmm. The
0: jury talked to each other for 10 minutes and was like, he's not guilty. No. And he was released. Oh, my gosh. So this is not a good story, but at least he didn't end up hanging for yeah. getting hurt. Yeah. What I don't really understand is, like... Anybody is saying anything, and the police are like, okay, we're gonna arrest them, or we're maybe even gonna arrest them before you say it. There's just like so much on the ball about all that. Mm -hmm. So, Harriet Lowe dies August 5th, just as a reminder. And the Mm -hmm. reason I bring that up is because another attack happens on August 5th. This time it's to a woman whose name is, in the newspaper, Mrs. Ed Schneider. I saw one source that said Anna, but. I, I don't know if they got her confused with the Anna Harriet debacle. Okay. I think I'm... I hate this, but I think I'm just going to call her Mrs. Schneider. Okay. And no, I hate that. Okay. Okay. So she's pregnant. hmm And she is sleeping. I think she's taking a nap on the bed. And she wakes up, and what she remembers is just, like, somebody looming over her with an axe. And then she remembers nothing else about it, and she she doesn't remember what this person looked like. She just like remembers the vague, this like, hat
1: shadowish. Well, person. it wasn't a shadow person. <laughs> well, no, no, no. But like she couldn't see the details. I'm guessing. No, or at least she couldn't remember the details. Okay.
0: He hits her in the head, like these things tend to happen, and either Mr. Ed Schneider or her sister Mary Gonzalez. Uh, walks in. I saw two different accounts.
1: Okay.
0: Walks in and finds her on the bed. They get her to a hospital. And again, two different accounts, either two days later or a week later, she delivers a healthy baby girl. Okay. And they both survive miraculously. Oh, wow. I really did not expect that ending, but I'm very happy that was the ending.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and also, this one marks a bit of a different thing because so far it's been, okay, a couple, Joseph and Catherine Maggio, couple louis and harry louis bessemer and harriet Lowe. Mm-hmm. and now it's just her right that they attacked
1: so maybe it's not in the men usually have seemed to survive a little bit longer than the woman so yeah
0: oh maybe that comes up mm-hmm. it's
1: not the male grocer that he's really angry at it's the wife of the male grocer
0: so that's okay one thing i want to point out i'm a i'm just assuming from all this that they might be italian grocers but okay I don't... That was never mentioned. Okay. And I know that in some of these cases, they're not. And those call into question, wait, was this the Axeman or not? So I'm... I don't even know because it's kind of... There's just so many sources telling you kind of vaguely similar but vaguely different things. Okay. I think this was the Axeman. Mm-hmm. Or at least, I don't know, maybe like a copycat? No, I think this was the Axeman. And I don't know if they were Italian grocers or not. In which case, I don't get why this happened at all. Okay. So, five days later, August 10th, which that's, like, a really close-together crime for this guy, mm-hmm. um, he stabs uh, the elderly Joseph Romano in the head. Okay. And With an axe, I'm assuming. So, Joseph lives with two of his nieces who have the next room over. They hear the commotion. They come into his room, and... He's still alive on the bed, Mm -hmm. but, you know, he doesn't end up surviving totally because he is able to walk to the ambulance, but he dies a couple days later at the hospital. Okay. Yeah, and this is interesting, though. The attacker is on his way out, but uh, Pauline and Mary catch a glimpse of him. And this is the first time someone who is not being actively attacked... Mm -hmm.
1: Has has seen seen him.
0: Has seen him. And so here's what they have to say about him. And this contradicts the panel and the door thing. Okay. A large man Mm -hmm. in a slouch hat and a suit. Do you know what a slouch hat is? Because I didn't.
1: I'm guessing it's like a really wrinkly
0: hat. No, no, no. It is like, let's say you almost have a fedora. Maybe a little bit wider. But, you know, I can't describe it. I'm just going to Google what a slouch hat is for you.
1: okay people at home google what a slouch hat is
0: it's like that thing where it's like it's curled up on hat. Think yeah like a sheriff's hat but it's curled up on one
1: side yeah the berm is like on one side is touching the hat part
0: which doesn't make sense that's a weird hat design in yes. my opinion it's like okay we're covering one ear um, so this kind of contradicts the whole how do you get through the door thing mm-hmm. was the if you're that big. Like,
1: was this lit in the door at this case
0: too it doesn't mention it in every single one okay i'm kind of assuming just just because that's his mo right okay uh so there's a break in cases for a while but new orleans doesn't know that they just know that august 5th there was a thing august 10th there was a thing everybody is really scared Mm -hmm. especially italian americans but really everybody because the idea is maybe it hasn't hit for everybody like this is like the specific people that he's targeting right so what would happen is um people would be calling police whenever they found like a stranger they thought was suspicious and they would be calling police whenever they found like maybe an axe anywhere because they thought maybe this is another thing where he left the axe behind or something Mm -hmm. and here's and this is kind of it's scary that they would have to do this, but it's also kind of nice. Um, people would kind of work together, and people who didn't even live in the same household, they would be like, okay, we're going to watch over you, you can sleep for these hours, then it's our turn and you can watch over us while we sleep. Because they would, he would strike in the night, the axe right. would strike in the night. And so people were... It's sad, but people were really banding together over this. Mm-hmm. Now, there were no attacks until March 10th, 1919. And this is a bit different because it's not in New Orleans. It is a little bit across the Mississippi River. It's in a place called Gretna. Okay. And But it is to Italian grocers again. Oh, gosh. The, the Cortemiglias. Okay. And Charles Rose and their two-year-old daughter were attacked in their bed... Rose was sleeping and then woke up when she saw Charles fighting off a man with an axe. Obviously, you know, the guy got Charles. Charles got knocked down. And so she's holding her baby in the bed. Mm -hmm. And she asks the axe man, please don't hurt me and the baby. Like, she begs him. And he does hurt them. Oh. And the two-year-old ends up dying. She and Charles both end up surviving. And the person that finds them is their neighbor... It's spelled, like, an I before Orlando, but I couldn't find a pronunciation, and I kind of think it's just pronounced Orlando. Okay. So their neighbor, who is also, like, a rival grocer, Orlando, Mm -hmm. uh, hears the commotion, runs over to help. He says he sees Rose in the kitchen just holding the baby Mm -hmm. after all this has happened. So Rose and Charles need to go to the hospital, obviously. They're in there for a very long time. And police... In Gretna, there's a different set of police because by now New Orleans is like there's an axe man,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you know they're they're over there being an axe man, and they're actually really smart about it because they're saying like this is a person who just sometimes is normal and then sometimes just has to kill somebody, right? Which I'm is kind of impressive because one thing I read was from the Smithsonian Magazine, and they were saying which is basically a description of a serial killer. But they didn't really, we know that there were serial killers then, but that wasn't really a known concept to everybody else. You know, it wasn't like, I think serial killers really picked up in the 70s and 80s, or at least public awareness of them did. Yeah. But this is, you know, the early 1900s. And the, so the New Orleans police are being like, hey, this is totally the Axeman. But the Gretna police are not thinking that. They think it's Orlando and his son frank another teenager or young person named frank who Mm is gotten by the police but isn't rose able to say no it's not them so the thing is rose doesn't know what happened oh rose is in the hospital she is grieving she is healing the police come and harass her a lot they harass her and Charles, and they're like hey because there was recently a legal dispute between them and the and orlando and frank okay about their grocery store i don't know the details but there was reason to believe there was animosity between them and they kept saying so it was them right it was them and rose kept saying you know i don't know i really don't know when she was released from the hospital because she healed and got better the police arrested her why they arrested her because she was a witness in her own case and they were like we need her to give testimony so she was there they didn't let her go until she was like Okay, Frank and Orlando did it. Maybe they did it, and she doesn't remember. Right. Um, Charles, her husband, is adamant that Frank and Orlando didn't do it. Right. And there's a tr- Frank and Orlando were arrested. There is a trial. Months are passing. Um, Rose is sticking with the story that they did it okay. through the trial. They are convicted as guilty, and. Frank is sentenced to be hanged, and Orlando, who is 69, is sentenced to life in prison. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Now, uh, after the trial, Rose and Charles divorce. Mm Mm-hmm. And she ends up... We don't... White? No, other than, like, I guess maybe guilt getting to her. She goes to the local newspaper in New Orleans, the Times-Picayune, mm-hmm. and she says, okay, I I was pressured, I lied, it wasn't Frank in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And they are released after that.
1: Oh, good, oh, Yeah, good. yeah. I can't help but wonder if the police were like, hmm, like something's going to happen to you and your husband if you don't say they did it or something, you know? I mean,
0: I'm not really holding anything. These police are really... in. Not acting with scruples, so I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I can't believe you would arrest the person who had this crime happen to them. Yeah. There's a lot of arrests that I don't think are even legal now that are that were done, yeah, uh, it was really just a different time for the i mean legal system isn't great now, but it there was no rhyme or reason or justification,
1: okay.
0: well, the justification was really bad justification, yeah, 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 so here's where things take another weird turn. Yay. Okay. Uh, and this is March 14th, 1919. Okay. When a letter appears in the Times-Picayune written from the Axeman.
1: Okay.
0: Esteemed mortal of New Orleans, the Axeman. They have never caught me and they never will. They have never seen me for I am invisible. Even as the ether that surrounds your earth... I am not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you Orlinians and your foolish police call the Axeman. When I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know whom they shall be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe, besmeared with blood and brains of he whom I have sent below to keep me company. If you wish, you may tell the police, be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am a reasonable spirit. I take no offense at the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as to not only amuse me, but his satanic majesty, Francis Joseph, etc. I don't get that. Okay. But tell them to be aware. Let them not try to discover what I am, for if it were better that they were never born than to incur the wrath of the Axeman. I don't think there is any need of such a warning, for I feel sure the police will always dodge me. As they have in the past. They are wise and know how to keep away from all harm. Undoubtedly, you are think of me as the most horrible murderer, which I am, but I could be much worse if I wanted to. If I wished, I could pay a visit to your city every night. At will I could slay thousands of your best citizens and the worst, for I am in close relationship with the angel of death. Now, to be exact, at 12.15, earthly time, on next Tuesday night, I'm going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I am going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I am very fond of jazz music.
1: (laughs) I'm a murderous spirit, and I love jazz.
0: I'm very fond of jazz music. (laughs) And I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared and whose home a jazz band is in full swing at the time I have just mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going, well, then so much the better for you people. One thing is certain, and that is that some of your people who do not jazz it out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, he did not use that phrasing, jazz it out.
0: He did. Oh, my God. Who do not jazz it out on that specific (laughs) Tuesday night, if there be any, will get the axe. (laughs) Well, as I am cold and crave the warmth of my native Tartarus, think, like, ancient Greek hell Mm -hmm. thing, and it is about time I leave your earthly home, I will cease my discourse, hoping that thou wilt publish this, that it may go well with thee, I have been... Am and will be the worst spirit that ever existed in fact
1: or realm of fancy, the Axeman. Oh my God, this is somebody with a literal God complex. Oh yeah, oh yeah. like literal.
0: I mean, I think so. So I need to brush up on my knowledge of. I think it's Exodus, but that was like a thing. I think it was like I'm gonna kill the firstborn son in houses that don't have like lamb's blood on the door or something. That's what Passover is. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Okay. I <laughs> <laughs> really need to brush up on my knowledge. But um yeah, it was it it I thought of that with this because it's like I maybe, think he
1: literally used the word Passover, did he not?
0: Well, he was like I'm going to pass space over. Yeah. It, which could be a reference and you know, he said angel of death and all these other things. Definitely a god complex. 100%. It's just some. It's just a very weird letter. Yes. So, uh, needless to say, New Orleans played a lot of jazz on that yeah. night. Cause was, so this is March 14th, he's talking about March 19th, mm-hmm. saying that that's when I'm going to pass over at the place. There was even a song written for the occasion. It's called "The Axeman's Jazz." This cool. Night- Do, can you find it on like YouTube or something? Uh, I didn't, but maybe you can. Okay. Yeah, everybody, look it up. We'll just all look it up and
1: we'll see just what we find. Look it up. Yeah. Played on March 19th. Yeah.
0: Good news is no one died. That's good. Yeah. And no one was attacked because oftentimes he attacked people and they would survive.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, the obvious question that comes after this is, was this a hoax? Was this right. a prank somebody played? And I think that there's like a school of thought, which was like, this is a ridiculous letter. Of course it was a hoax. But I think there's also another school of thought, and I'm going to call this my Zodiac Killer school of thought which is sometimes these guys are just weird and will send weird letters out. Yeah. And will just say very weird things. And, I mean, this letter has all the self-aggrandizement mm-hmm. and the weird mythological stuff of a Zodiac Killer letter. hmm So why not? Yeah. Now, the Herald, which is another newspaper in New Orleans, totally thought this was a hoax. And so the next day on March 20th, when nothing bad happened, they published their belief that, like, somebody played a prank on the times piggyune mm-hmm. which was the newspaper that published oh, the x letter. and but the thing is like it's so interesting to read old newspapers because they're like just so um what's the word oh yeah like awful <laughs> 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 okay so like they kept repeating the phrase ignorant classes they were like i mean it's fine for people who are smart enough to know this isn't going to happen but for the ignorant classes this is a really bad thing and i'm like so are you like being classist racist like what are you doing you know like you're obviously not
1: there's somebody here you're
0: discriminating yeah 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 there's somebody here you're discriminating against i'm going to read a passage where they discriminate against women particularly okay okay there are already several instances in different sections of the city where women, and some men, have been frightened very severely by the announcement made through this letter from the man. So, Zoe, some men were scared too. Oh
1: my gosh, such <sighs> silly feminine men. I know, I mean, and they got all the women, of course. Of course, all the women.
0: Yep, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One thing I did notice though is that they didn't publish this on like March fifteenth, the day after the Times Picky Yoon got this letter. They waited until they made sure nobody died. Exactly. Because if, if they published this beforehand and then people died it'd be like,
1: oh crap. Yeah. But you know what? They probably wrote it the day that the Times Picky Yoon.
0: They were like, Did you see what crap this rival newspaper published? Mm-hmm. We're the superior newsletter. Exactly. Paper. Newsletter paper paper paper, newsletter paper paper. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, now that we had that brief fun interlude, yay! He's back to murdering people.
1: Oh, I know.
0: I <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's not many murders after this. But again, like most things in this case, that's disputed. Okay. Yeah, August twenty seventh, nineteen nineteen. He attacks Steve Boka. Mm-hmm. Steve Boca survived. Okay. Yay. So the Axeman got in through his door the usual way and left the axe in the kitchen. And Steve Boca woke up right before he was attacked. So, again, it was, like, attacked in his sleep. Woke up right before him because there's a guy in your room and sometimes your brain is like, hey, this is bad. Uh, he <laughs> saw sometimes. it about to happen and only came to when the axe man was gone. And he ran to his neighbors for help and got to the neighbor before he realized that he had been gotten the head and that he was bleeding from an open head wound. Oh. The police arrest the neighbor he went to for help
1: because they were- Why? It's like, oh, this person got hurt and you were near them immediately afterwards because you were helping them? You're guilty. Yeah, it said the police
0: were really embarrassed by that one. Okay. But I'm like, that is just the stupidest thing. Like, why would he
1: run to the people that just attacked him? Yeah.
0: Okay, it doesn't make sense. Um, No. Anyway, that's all I had to say about Steve Boca, but I'm glad he survived. Thank you, Steve Boca. Thank you, Steve Boca? Yes. Okay. Uh, (laughs) September 3rd, 1919. And I put in my notes, this was either the Axeman or a copycat, because I'm not... There are a couple things that don't quite fit his exact MO about this one. So, this is Sarah Lawman. So, this is the second case where it's just one woman that he's attacking. And he climbed through the window... Now, it did say the window was open, so I might have just been like, oh, good, I don't have to do the door thing again. Okay. Uh, and he attacked her with a blunt object, though I also heard that he did leave a bloody axe in the yard. Okay. I'm wondering if I got that wrong, okay. like, from disputed sources. But I do think she was attacked with a blunt object, because if she was attacked with the axe, you wouldn't necessarily... It doesn't make sense to specify that it was anything else, unless it was an axe, because he is the axe man.
1: You know what I mean? But it could just be somebody trying to tie it into the Axeman. Axeman, not the Uh, (laughs) X-Men. But like somebody was trying to tie it into the Axeman. So they were like, and there was totally a bloody axe in the backyard.
0: Because, okay, one of the reasons I thought this was a copycat, because he didn't go through the door, he went through the window. And also, I was kind of wondering if. I don't know. I'm so on the edge of what's a copycat and what's not, but I am suspicious of, like, the two women that he got on their own who don't seem to be Italian grocers, from what I can tell. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm wondering if that one's a copycat, or maybe he just changed his mind a couple of times. I mean, it's possible. It's possible. Yeah. Okay, the next one, and this is the last one that most of my sources attributed to the Axeman. Okay. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I'm actually going with that, but it's what most of them say. And it's the one that puts the most complications into this story, so buckle up. Woo! Yeah, October 27th, 1919. Uh, the Axeman gets Mike Pepitone, who is a grocer, mm-hmm. and kills him with a pipe. Okay. Yes. His wife sees the Axeman. Okay. His wife does not provide a good description to the police. Okay. But it's oftentimes written as, not like she didn't know, but she didn't say. Oh. Which makes me think that there was a bit of a issue there in the initial gathering of the information. Okay. Um, but one thing she did say is that she saw two men. And that's kind of been lost a lot, apparently, but that was what she first told police. Who, two men who were leaving the house. And this is the first time it seems like there's more than one of them. Mm. Now, this is kind of where it gets complicated. So there is a lot, a lot, a lot of conflicting things about this guy whose name is Joseph Mumfrey or Joseph Manfrey. Uh, And it is really hard to sort out, but I'm going to tell you what I can to make it, like, the simplest, clearest explanation possible. Okay. Okay. So, a book called Murder in New Orleans, published in 1953, written by Robert Talent, says that on December 2nd, 1920, Joseph Mumphrey was shot and killed in Los Angeles by Mike Pepitonia's widow, and she told police, you know, hey, he killed my late husband. So, basically, almost like a revenge killing is oh. how I think Robert Talent put it. Now, I found some more things later, but everyone like, in the who's the Axeman community, (laughs) Mm -hmm. gleaned onto this and for a long time believed that Joseph Mumphrey was probably the Axeman. However, research was done, and no one with Mumphrey's name died in that area at that time. But here's the thing that happens a lot with newspapers, especially when they're writing about minorities, is that they misspelled the last name a lot. So there were actually different spellings of his name floating around, and there are records that indicate... That a or say that a Leon J Manfrey oh. died in at that place at that time. Mm-hmm. So according to sources, Joseph was a leader in the Italian community in New Orleans, but was uh, involved in violent crimes. So there is so there's a thing called um, vendetta, which is like kind of a thing that. Uh, Sicilians probably apparently like brought over to New Orleans, which was kind of like their one on one, like kind of justice. It was like, okay, well, you did me wrong, so I will do you wrong kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, there's also a thing called the black hand. And that is when they use a threat unless money is paid. And then if money is not paid, they kill. Okay. Now, uh, <clears throat> there was also a recent thing that I saw by recent, I mean, like, 21st century (laughs) is what I'm calling recent for this case. Saying that Joseph Manfrey was a part of the mafia in New Orleans and that he is in and out of prisons at about the right times. So he couldn't have done the 1912 thing, but he was around during 1910 and 1911, if we're possibly including those in the Axman murders. And he was around for all of the 1918 and 1919 murders, including, it would make sense because he was arrested after the murder stopped in August 1918 mm. and released before the murder started back up again in March 1919. Okay. And so, I mean, all of this is pointing to the idea that he looks like a good suspect. Yeah. So he moved to California in 1919 and got involved in business with Mike Pepitone's wife's new husband. Okay. Which, isn't that the biggest coincidence? See, this is, like, the thing where I'm like, wait, what's real versus what's not real? hmm Because some things are getting disproven while other things are being like, well, it's kind of made up for by this. I don't know exactly, but he ended up allegedly killing her new husband because a deal went sour between them. Or her new husband jilted him in the business in some way. And when... Mike Pepitone's wife told the police that, hey, he killed my most recent husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joseph got angry at her and went and was like, hey, I want money. Okay. And then she shot him. Like, It seemed maybe at her home. And so when she was telling police about all this, she was like, hey, this guy killed both my husbands, Mike Pepitone and this other guy whose name I think is Albano. And she ended up being sentenced to 10 years in prison, just so you know, because she did kill him. Okay. Now... There are issues with this I'm thinking of in terms of if she did kill him, Manfrey, Momfrey, Mumfrey, Mm -hmm. whichever he went by, it would be a better defense for her if she were able to convince police that not only did he kill her most recent husband, he killed her other husband. Mm -hmm. Just because she said it's the case about the guy that she ended up killing does not mean that he was the guy who killed her first husband. Right. Right. And another thing to keep in mind is even if he did kill her first husband that doesn't necessarily mean he is the ax man right because it was two guys who came in and it was with a pipe and
1: that's not exactly the same thing right unless like this guy he has almost like multiple per- personas that he puts like one is just himself killing people And that would explain, like, the blunt instruments and the pipe and stuff. And then he, like, adapts to this persona of the Axeman. And that's when he does it with a specific MO. That's an interesting idea. I hadn't thought about that. Especially if, like, since he was, like, the letter is written. And, yes, somebody can sit there and write, I am the devil, ha ha ha. The letter is written in a way that he genuinely believes that he is a demon. Yes. He could, I mean, like, DID, Dissociative Identity Disorder, or maybe he's just schizophrenic, you know? Like, obviously, I'm not a psychologist, and I don't know everything, but, like, there could be two different parts of him that kill, if that makes sense.
0: That does make sense, yeah. Um, A couple of things to dispute the... uh, the man-frey killings other than me saying just because she said he killed her first husband doesn't mean that he did or that he's an axe man are that another source I saw said there was really no mafia presence in New Orleans and that source was a Smithsonian magazine okay so one source was literally a like a publication that was like all about the mafia and like mafia history mm-hmm. which does seem reliable but also I put a lot of credence into the Smithsonian mm-hmm And I kind of think that they would be... I I kind of believe them a bit more personally. And so people thought that the crimes against the grocers might be black hand, which is, like I said, that threat of, if you don't give me money, I will kill you. Except, um, and like one of the detectives around that time, John Mm D'Antonio, said that if this were black hand, there wouldn't be survivors. Because you don't... And think about it, if you're extorting people for money... And they don't pay up. The thing to do, and like, okay, I'm speaking with a different mind frame. I'm not saying, hey, this is what you do. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, Zoe, if I said if we if I'm talking to you, but there are other people watching us because that's how communities work. And I'm like, Zoe, if you don't give me ten dollars, I'm gonna kill you. And you don't give me ten dollars, I'm not gonna be like, I'm gonna hack off your arm. And then you definitely don't give me money because I, I hacked off your arm. Mm-hmm. It would make sense. And they'd be like, well, all she's gonna do is like hack off our arm but then we don't have to pay her so what i would do is be like okay well zoe i'm gonna kill you and then if you don't give me 10 bucks you don't give me 10 bucks i kill you But he's like oh man we should give her 10 bucks when she asked for 10 bucks right you know how that works
1: (sighs) yeah i mean but he there's nothing i mean you were the one who did the research not me but there's nothing to say that he didn't intend to kill them he just might have done a sucky job at it
0: but a sucky job for so long when you were like meticulously able to get into these people's houses able to find these uh axes and then able to get away so quickly yeah this guy doesn't seem uncapable yeah you know and the other thing that really contradicts the whole man thing is that there were other axe murders that fit into the axemen mo to the point that the smithsonian says listen these were axemen killers mm-hmm. um in the early 1920s in Louisiana, they just weren't in New Orleans.
1: Oh, and the thing is, he
0: died in 1920. Okay, so that, unless it was a
1: really good copycat, yeah, then these or, weren't him, or he died and his spirit came back, or whatever, and literally did the Passover thing, and literally did the Passover thing, but yeah. um, that's a little harder to believe,
0: <laughs> yeah, now. Zoe, people would agree with you about your idea that it he's after the women because mm-hmm. criminologists Damon Wilson and Colin Wilson think that he was motivated by hatred of them. Okay. Because like you said, it was the, if, if somebody was going to die of a couple, then it was going to be the wife if only one of them died or one of them survived. But then again, you have the two women who died and then you have two men that he killed who didn't seem to have wives with them at all. Right. I really don't My own two cents is that it was not mafia related and that it was not black hand related. It seems to me that this really was what they were thinking originally was just a serial killer and he is targeting these people out of hate because there was a lot of discrimination against these people. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why he targeted grocers specifically, except maybe it's easier to get to know a grocer. It's easier to get to know a grocer. It's easier to know, oh, hey, this is where they live because they're attached to their business. Exactly. And once you start an ML, if you're a serial killer and you start to gain notoriety with it, you probably want to stick with it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, that is the last of my spiel for you. Nice. About the X-Man. Oh. I'm glad to have entertained you. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: Um, but yeah, like I, you know, like like we said at the beginning, that was one that like I knew about, but I did learn new things in this, so thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> but.
0: Okay, well, uh, everyone, thank you for listening. Yes. If you like today's episode, please like, subscribe, and review and tell your friendos. Yes.
1: If you'd like to see our show notes and the blog that Robin wrote about this episode, as well as all of her sources, you can go to huntedhospitality.wordpress.com and you. If you want to share your own spooky stories so that we can have a spooky submission episode where we read what happened to you, whether it's a mystery or paranormal or maybe if there's a true crime case that your family member was involved in or uh, that was happened in your hometown and you have your own take on it. Uh, send us an email to hauntedhospitalitypodcast at gmail.com.
0: And if you are in the Twitter sphere, follow us at Haunted House, on Instagram at Haunted Hospitality, on TikTok at Haunted Hospitality, and on Facebook at Haunted Hospitality. We would love to interact with you.
1: Yes. Stay, Stay spooky. spooky.